Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Over the course of years, the list of things that I've gotten wrong is probably a very long one. I'm certainly quite aware of that. We try not to take ourselves too seriously to assume that we know everything, that we get everything right. But a few days ago, I said something here on this show that has turned out to be very, very true, which is in the immediate aftermath of losing to Alabama, I said as bad as this is, the other bad part about this, those of us who are Georgia fans who are kind of here no matter what, we got to brace for what's going to be a pretty unpleasant news cycle. There are going to be perhaps some opt-outs coming at some point in time for the Orange Bowl. We haven't really gotten there yet, but that may come. There's going to be clearly some transfer portal names, and some of these are going to be names that you kind of expect and you don't think too much about. But there's also probably, if history is a guide, going to be a few names that go in that you really don't want to hear that kind of make you ask some questions about, okay, what exactly is going on? And we knew that was coming. This is, as the smart people like to say online, as expected. Uh, but, but nonetheless, it is kind of an unavoidable part of the current landscape we live in when it comes to a college football that you're going to lose some guys to transfer portal and some of that some of these guys are going to be guys that you really don't want to lose that you would like to think you had big plans for and a big opportunity awaited these kinds of players there in your program for georgia relatively late last night i think this thing came down about 10 p.m or so it seems like a lot of these portal entries have kind of come kind of late at night a little bit especially for those of us who like to go to sleep uh but nonetheless it does come out last night that marvin jones jr the former five-star edge rusher according to some reporting here i guess from 24 7 sports he's going to go into the transport portal in fact let me show you this on the screen uh coming via uh, matt zenitz saying that marvin uh jones jr the georgia edge rusher entered the transfer portal chris hummer also reporting that there as well for 24 7 sports so that's the deal jones jr the former edge now on his way to the transfer portal there's obviously a pretty uh aggressively moving rumor mill here that maybe he'll go back and be at the same school that his father was once at at florida state and obviously in the case of jones jr you see a guy who never quite lived up to that potential that you would have for him as a five-star edge rusher at Georgia in a couple of years here didn't have a ton of sacks oftentimes wasn't even really playing as much as maybe some Georgia fans perhaps thought that he should and it's sort of fair to wonder well exactly why is that and in some cases the five-star player sort of turns out maybe not to be the player that you thought he was going to be that sometimes happens uh maybe that's what's going on with marvin jones jr you at least have to wonder if that's a possibility there's also the chance that i know in 2022 because i talked to people who told me this i know in 2022 that jones jr was on the field a lot for georgia late in that national championship season playing at less than his best at far less than 100 because he was dealing with injury he also i believe dealt with injury again here this year so maybe why in two years on campus at georgia marvin jones jr never quite excelled never quite exceeded the expectation or even met the expectations we would have had for him maybe some of that's just because he spent most of this time here at georgia injured but the other thing that sort of hangs over your uh i, I guess conversation on the jones jr stuff here is is that if he does indeed go to florida state it's hard not to be reminded of the fact that a couple of years ago, Jermaine Johnson, who himself had been a former elite recruit, in Johnson's case, that was a very highly valued junior college prospect, but another former elite recruit who came here to Georgia was a contributor for the Georgia defense and then went on to Florida State and what he led the ACC, I guess, in sacks that year, became a first round pick. I think he's doing very, very well in the NFL, too, that 
he left Georgia and went on to have great statistical success at another place, in this case, Florida State, which is perhaps also where Marvin Marvin Jones Jr. might look to go. Now, Johnson leaving and going to have great success wasn't a problem for Georgia because in 2021, Georgia literally may have fielded the greatest defense of all time. So missing out on the presence of a future first round pick like Jermaine Johnson didn't hurt Georgia at all. But what you want to be really careful about if you're Georgia, we're going to try to have a very candid conversation here for a couple of minutes. What you want to be really careful about if you're Georgia is you don't want this to be one of those things where the elite five-star edge rusher says, if I go to Georgia, I'm not going to be able to put up the kind of stats I can put up somewhere else because who wouldn't want to be if they had the opportunity to be, who wouldn't want to be in kind of a, a starring role if they had that potential to be able to do that and it seems like some of the narrative for Marvin Jones Jr. while he was here was in fact go back like prior to the Auburn game and things like that when Kirby was asked directly about Jones Jr. some of the stuff that you would hear Kirby say was always very complimentary but it was kind of always from the bent of hey this is a guy that's learning our defense and he's figuring out how to do some of these he's growing he's developing he's getting better and that's pretty typical language there for Kirby Smart and we would obviously say those of us who are Georgia fans that it's a really good thing that Georgia has had such a high standard for uh, its players because when Georgia players achieve and meet that high standard all of a sudden national championships can be the product we saw that in 2021 and 2022 but once again if the standard is so high in terms of what you expect you got to learn and the sort of gap sound assignment based football you expect them to play if that standard is so high that not even a five-star prospect is able of meeting that standard and so therefore he just goes some other place where it's perhaps a little easier for him but easier produces more stats produces more numbers and he becomes a first round pick anyway gosh that becomes a pretty easy thing to potentially negatively recruit against Georgia with if that were indeed the case now is that true I don't know I'm not smart enough to figure that out but it's the kind of conversation that happens around these type of things here that the Jones Jr. presence in the transfer portal is not in itself a example of you know a, a bad thing for Georgia it's really not an example of the sky falling but it might be a little bit uh, of, a, of a hint that while the sky is not falling maybe the roof needs a little bit of maintenance and maybe it's time to sort of figure out is Georgia getting the best possible use out of elite edge players like marvin jones jr especially in a year like 2023 where the outside edge of the georgia defense seemed to be to most of our eyes the weakest aspect of this defense overall and while i am not smart enough to figure a lot of this kind of stuff out and i'm certainly not brazen enough to say that there's something wrong with the georgia program given the overall level of success that uga has had i will at times point to what people smarter than me have said i want to go back years ago here for a moment former Atlanta Falcon Chuck Smith who I've known well and who's now by the way the outside linebackers coach of the Baltimore Ravens this is an NFL coach saying what he's about to say here about what he kind of viewed as an overall culture in place at UGA now this is going back years ago here so some of the names you're about to hear Chuck mention are the likes of a Tyler Clark or a Jonathan Ledbetter guys like that so we're talking about years ago here for Georgia and by the way for whatever reason the audio quality on this clip is terrible it sounds like he's calling from the moon I don't know why the audio is so bad but the words themselves are still pretty valuable here in terms of trying to figure out when a five-star edge rusher comes to Georgia stays here for two years doesn't exactly thrive then looks to go elsewhere what perhaps is going on we would presume that everything is fine at UGA but is there some sort of evaluation that needs to be perhaps looked at in terms of 
how Georgia handles the sort of edge rush players, the likes of which that Marvin Jones Jr. could be. Here is what an NFL outside linebackers coach, Chuck Smith, said years ago about what he viewed as the pass rush culture at UGA. He said this on our show. This is Chuck Smith. Ultimately, is a DB-minded coach. So from what I see at Georgia, on third down, it would always be covered. On third and long, a lot of times they would rush three. They wouldn't rush four. So to me, it has to also, you have to mind frame. Same way with Nick Saban. For years, Alabama never got sacked, right? Because Nick, the foundation of this team is coverage. I just think that when you see guys like Tyler Clark come there, who's a four-star, when you see guys like Ledbetter, you know, who's there from last year, you see Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, it's, it's, not a, it's, it, 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 it's not a secret. You got to make it a culture. You have to teach. You have to make it wild. We're going to bring in these packs. You can bring them in. You can bring in all. You can bring in the greatest athletes in the world. Georgia, you can bring in every five-star. I don't care how fast they run. If you don't teach them skills and moves, they will forever be average. And that's what Georgia has right now, a group of average pass rushers because it's not a culture. And the defensive line coach and the D coordinators need to make it a priority. Those are harsh words from Chuck Smith if you couldn't make them out. And perhaps they're too harsh. I understand that. But – is it perhaps true that when Chuck Smith looked at Georgia years ago and said, hey, this is a bunch of, as he calls them, average pass rushers, you know, in 2023, is it fair to say that Georgia was sort of back to being average or below average from a pass rush standpoint? In 2021, that wasn't the case. Georgia had darn near 50 sacks that year, maybe the greatest defense uh, we've ever seen, and the pass rush numbers match the defense with that kind of accolades. They did not rush the passer quite as successfully in 2022, but uh, in the biggest games that Georgia play, they always seem to be just fine when it when it comes to getting after the quarterback. This year sort of felt like a return to kind of the area, the era, I should say, prior to those national championship years, where a guy like Chuck Smith might look in on this and say, mm, sort of feels like some average pass rushers. Sort of feels like pass rush is not a premium part of the or 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 a, or a big part of the overall Georgia culture. The phrase that I wrote down that Chuck said there was. But this is a defense that uh, the foundation of that defense is coverage. It's pass coverage. The former defensive back, Kirby Smart, former defensive back coordinator, Will Muschamp, valuing coverage so much that perhaps you don't quite see the elite edge rush, the former five-star, get a chance to shine in pass rush. I don't know if that's true. I'm not smart enough to diagnose that. But Chuck Smith certainly knows this. He coaches that position in the NFL. That's what he said years ago. Now, there are a lot of you that would listen to Chuck Smith say that. You'd very rightly say, listen, I don't care what Chuck Smith says. This is a Georgia team that's thriving at a level that almost no program has. They have won, at least up until now, the last two national championships. That's a streak that's going to end this year. But this is still a program that's great. This is a program that's got nothing to worry about, and Marvin Jones Jr. going to the transfer portal isn't reason to worry either. I would say that you're probably right about that. You know, I would I would say this is not the kind of thing to certainly panic about. It's not the kind of thing to kind of get you know over uh, overworked up about. But I do think it kind of leads to a little bit of a question here in terms of how Georgia manages the players and the recruits who kind of come from what we sort of think of as the premium positions. And how do you define premium position in college football? These are the positions that the NFL is most willing to pay for. These are the positions that get drafted most frequently in the first round that earn the big free agent dollars. Obviously, the most important position overall in team sports is quarterback. And 
everything in football has added value depending on how it relates to quarterback you know offensive tackles have premium value because they protect the quarterback's blind side you've seen that movie before wide receivers have excess value because they catch the football that the quarterback throws their premium value comes with their connection to the quarterback defensively it's the edge rusher whether you call it a defensive end or an outside linebacker who impacts the quarterback the most therefore he has outsized value nfl teams are all the time drafting these edge rushers in the first round uh, and they're paying them big money in free agency because they get after quarterbacks same thing for the cornerbacks there as well they step in front of the passes the quarterbacks try to throw that connection to quarterback makes that a premium position and when you look at who gets drafted in the first round who earns the big time free agent bucks that's it it's quarterback it's offensive tackle it's wide receiver it's edge rusher it's cornerback those are the most valuable positions in football here right now and when you look at georgia and this is not a criticism of what i'm about to say it's really not because there's very little to at georgia to criticize it's just a point to pay attention to when you look at georgia a team that i think it's probably still the best team in college football i I think that georgia was deserving of being in the college football playoff even though they lost to alabama uh in the sec championship but when you look at the way this current georgia team was constructed what you see is and it's interesting the very best players in this georgia team right now at the national award level at the first round pick level at the all-american all-sec level it just so happens that right now these are not the premium position players let me show you this uh georgia football the other day kind of celebrating some of its all-american players as recognized by cbs sports and 24 7 sports now there'll be a lot of nfl i should say uh college football all-american lists that come out this is fairly reflective of what you're going to see you see brock bowers and malachi starks there in the first team you see cedric von Prahn and tyke smith there on the second team now listen we would say that brock bowers is one of the greatest players of all time and for all intents and purposes he's essentially a wide receiver but by position he's technically a tight end malachi starks is technically a safety obviously he does a lot of things for georgia but he is a safety cedric von Prahn's a center one of the greatest we've ever seen but once again an interior offensive lineman tyke smith's basically a nickelback and then when you go on and you look at like the all sec a similar thing sort of pops up in addition to the likes of svp and bowers and starks and guys like that you're also going to see tate ratledge once again that's also an offensive guard you start looking at some of the other spots that are on there the xavier trusses who spent a lot of time this year playing guard some tackle but playing guard once again you know we're not criticizing any of this and these are all great players that george is very happy to have but what you see right now is an overall team profile for georgia where the very best players for uga are players who are thriving at what we would sort of think of as the non-premium positions the positions overall that are less valuable than quarterback wide receiver edge rusher cornerback things like that although obviously Kamari Laster had a great year for UGA there as well so the point I'm getting to is this is that there is a certain stewardship required when you have a guy like Marvin Jones Jr. program you're the only program in America that can use him while you have him and how you do choose to use him is going to be observed and if he leaves Georgia and goes somewhere else like a place like Florida State for instance and has more success there people are going to notice and they're going to use that against you in recruiting so it's the kind of thing you want to be really careful about whether it be jones jr here right now or guys like damon wilson and sam and pemba and gabe harris who are still in the program we would expect going forward 2024 there and beyond in other words here's the way i would sort of say this it's one thing for georgia to say hey listen we're georgia 
if you're the kind of quarterback out of high school who expects to get a multi-million dollar NIL deal, then you just need to go somewhere else. That's not how we do our business. And for Georgia thus far, that attitude is fairly well worked. Georgia's the most successful program in the country over the course of the last few years. And this is also the same Georgia program that would say, hey, if you're one of these receivers that thinks you're going to step on this program and start getting a 1,000 yards around here, that we're going to feature you in our offense, we're going to feed the ball to you over and over and over again. If you're the kind of receiver who needs a 1,000 yards to be happy, then you're going to be happier somewhere else. That's not the way we do it around here. And thus far, Georgia's been able to say that and accomplish that because of the fact the offenses function really well without those type of guys. Georgia has not necessarily been in play for the big NIL bonus baby type recruits or the prima donna style wide receivers who demand a thousand yards. Georgia hasn't been in play for those type of guys and it's been okay not to do that. But are we also about to say that if you're the kind of edge rusher that wants to come here and have double digit sacks we don't need you we need other guys who want to learn the defense and want to be gap sound and want to do you know those type of things if you're the kind of edge rusher that wants 10 sacks you're not the kind of guy that we need here at georgia is georgia really prepared to say that there as well that all of a sudden not in business for five-star quarterbacks five-star wide receivers or five-star edge rushers is that really a way to build a championship program now listen There is nothing about the Marvin Jones Jr. departure through the transfer portal that suggests anything is wrong with UGA. Obviously, this is a program that has a lot of talent in place for future years. But it does, I think, invite some pretty important questions, which is what is Georgia doing to cultivate talent at the true premium positions, the handful of positions that do matter more than others, the handful of positions the best teams always seem to have top flight players at? And is Georgia doing enough at those positions here right now? It's one of those things that's going to take probably a couple of years to answer. But if you want to see Georgia maintain its status as a national championship contender, then having the best quarterbacks, wide receivers, edge rushers, cornerbacks, those true premium positions, having guys that thrive at those spots, I would say that's a prerequisite to getting that job done. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pest Manager, and we are glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today, live on video across all platforms, starting at 10 a.m., of course, 945 for our first and 15. We're on the radio, Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Just really happy to have you with us. And my gosh, how thankful am I for our friends at Breda Pest Management who make this show possible for you today. They are the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That's a really good thing. That means for you in your home, you can have your home protected from termites and bugs and critters and flying squirrels and all that other kind of crazy stuff. You can have that your home protected by the same company that's protecting Sanford Stadium and Stegman Coliseum and Foley Field and all of those UGA Athletics venues. That's a level of prestige that you can bring right there to your own home there as well. But it's not just bragging rights you get from something like that. It's also more money back in your pocket because if you've been working with some fly-by-night termite company and every single year it seems like you get that letter in the mail, cost of service is going up because let's face it, right now it seems like everything is going up. Cost of service on everything is going up, whether the quality of service is going up or not. That is your sign that it's time to make the switch. It's time to move over to Breda Pass Manager because they are going to put more money back in your pocket just for making that decision. So I want you to find them online. 
It's BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics, wants to serve you. They've been in business since 1975. 125 employees stretched all across everywhere. We're driving by uh, Roswell the other day. Saw their um, uh, office there in Roswell. My son said, hey, Daddy, there's a Breda Pest Manager. I said, you better believe it, son. They're taking care of folks all across our market area, and they want to take care of you there as well. So find them online, BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, and trust your termite protection, bug, critter, pest control, all that kind of stuff to the same company taking care of UGA Athletics, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That is Breda Pest Management. We have a very busy show coming up for you today. It's Jake Fromm later on. We're going to get into Jake, the future of Carson Beck, exactly what's going on there uh dylan riola you know jake at one point in time was a big time quarterback recruit in a central part uh of georgia's 2017 recruiting class kind of involved in those text threads the same way that dylan was what would it be like to so late in the process perhaps we don't know for sure but perhaps turn your back there on georgia on all of that and the recruits that had formed those relationships with him we'll let jake tell us more about that here coming up in just a moment also mike griffith's on the show today and I've gotten a lot of questions from a lot of you about some of the stuff that Mike has reported lately that you kind of want some clarification on. So we're going to get more into that with Mike here coming up in just a little bit. We'll tell him, we'll let him tell us more about what's going on there. Prior to that, I want to go around the doghouse. And it is uh, poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And let me tell you what I've noticed. I want to tell you why I think this matters. So the news of the week has been that five-star quarterback Dylan Riola, longtime Georgia commit, might be looking to trend away from UGA, taking an official visit to Nebraska this weekend, and could perhaps flip to the Huskers for what might be a substantial NIL deal. You already know that. You've kind of lived through all of that. Let me tell you why this is relevant for me today. Have you noticed, for those of you that pay attention, like national media and things like that, have you noticed that there seems to be a lot of open cheerleading for this? There, there, there seem to be a lot of people in the media sphere who are very, very happy about all of this, and I can't help but notice this. I'm going to try to explain why I think this is worth your attention there as well. Let me give you a couple of examples here of a couple of headlines in terms of the reaction to some of the stuff you're seeing from Dylan Riola. There was Dan Wetzel at uh, Yahoo Sports whose headline says, Is Nebraska relevant again? Flipping number one recruit Dylan Riola from Georgia would help. And he, in his article, in his column, went on to talk about why it would, you know, perhaps be, you know, a positive thing for a kind of once, you know, kind of thought to be dead program like Nebraska to be resurrected by the presence of Riola. Zach Barnett from Football Scoop, a website that I typically like, went even further than that. Listen to their headline. Dylan Riola flipping from Georgia to Nebraska would be a great thing for college football. The uh, subhead says a late flip by the number one high school quarterback in the country would make Nebraska much better and Georgia slightly worse. Both of those things would be good, or as it says, both would be good things. So isn't this interesting? And I don't mean this from the standpoint of, you know, we get our feelings sort of about stuff like this. I just mean from the standpoint that we're uh, kind of noticing this. Just notice this, that the presence of Riola perhaps flipping to Nebraska is generating some open cheerleading on the part of otherwise supposedly objective journalists. And what they assume is, is they're cheerleading for this because it is perhaps in their mind a good thing, that they think we need more balance in college football. Uh, there's been too many redneck Southerners who've enjoyed too much success over the course of the last however many years. And so therefore, to kind of bring the snowy Midwest back into it or the Pacific Northwest back into it 
or big city Los Angeles back into it, that if you could truly sort of stretch the boundaries of what really is college football and make this more of a national sport again, that'd be good for the sport. And so therefore, it's good for me to kind of rip down the veneer of objectivity and start openly cheering for Georgia to be brought down a peg. That way it would benefit the sport because when it's just Georgia and Alabama or perhaps another deep south program like Clemson or a team like Florida State, when it's just these teams kind of dominating the entire landscape of the sport, that's too regional of a sport to uh, thrive. That's too much like NASCAR, and we saw what they did to NASCAR, and so therefore they need to perhaps think about doing the same thing to college football if all it is is just a deep south sport with deep south people kind of enjoying it. That's not the kind of sport that deserves to thrive and exist in the eyes of some people, so therefore we need to make sure that the Nebraskas and the Pacific Northwest like Washington, we need to make sure teams like that have their chance to succeed. I just want you to notice that. Now, this alone isn't enough to perhaps cause too much concern or perhaps you know be too much of an issue. But I think the question we all need to be asking ourselves is, is if you do see like columnists and sports writers and things like that sort of openly cheering for Georgia to lose a five-star recruit because it's good for college football for Georgia to not quite be quite so good, as we pointed out before, What else would the powers that be in college football also be willing to do to make sure that college football was a little bit more of a level playing field? Would the team that won a national championship game 65-7 to be excluded from the playoff given any opportunity to do so? You can make a case that maybe that's the case. If they didn't want Florida State in because Florida State might get blown out, do they want to keep the team out as well that's also done some blowing out in the college football playoff there as well? There's at least a reasonable consideration uh, to be had about all of that. And, of course, I also realize this, that there's a certain aspect of this discussion that feels like kind of conspiratorial and people don't want to be thought of as conspiracy theorists, and so therefore they don't buy into a lot of that kind of stuff. And I totally get that. Nobody wants to be thought of as a fool. I, I completely, completely understand all of that. So what if I could give you one piece of tangible factual information for you at least ponder over here a little bit that perhaps the idea of artificially leveling the playing field in college football is something that goes beyond just columnists openly rooting for Georgia to lose a recruit or thumb on the scale of who makes the college football playoff to make sure it sort of you know represents four quadrants of the country what if I told you there was even more going on perhaps than that I want to point to a uh, thread here online from a post called uh, College Football Nerds. It's at CFB Nerds on uh, Twitter. Going back to November 27th, they had a very interesting uh, thread of, uh, I guess, posts, you call them now. Uh, And this is what CFB Nerds says. These are not Georgia fans. These are not Alabama fans. These are just people that watch college football. Uh, And CFB Nerds says, and this is a thread, by the way, it's gotten 2.3 million views. So A lot of people have seen this. Uh, their account says there's a subtle but growing problem in college football with how games involving good teams are being called by the refs. He, they say, here are some notable teams ranked by opponent penalties. What I'm about to give you is the national ranking of certain teams based on how many penalties their opponents got called for. Oregon this year ranked 105th in the country in terms of penalties called on opponents meaning their opponents were almost never penalized michigan was 110th in that same category ohio state was 115th alabama was 120th georgia was 122nd in the country this year in terms of penalties being called on opponents texas 
in its final year of the Big 12 was 131. The Post goes on to say in the thread, this completely refutes the longstanding notion that the, quote, Alabamas and the Ohio States and the Georgias get all the calls. What this means is a number of the best teams are rarely seeing opponents being penalized. This is either subconscious or intentional. But either way, this post, not Georgia fans, not Bama fans, just college football sort of math nerd types, either way, it's unfair. The post goes on to say, letting both teams play and not calling subjective penalties, notably holding a pass interference, notably holding or pass interference, gives a tremendous advantage to lesser teams. And what CFB Nerd says is that's perhaps what we see going on with Georgia among the sort of seeing its opponents among the least penalized teams in the entire country when they're playing Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, teams like that in the same category. So just watch this. Not only do perhaps some columnists think it's a good thing when Georgia gets taken down a peg, perhaps even the officials do as well, if you pay attention to what CFB Nerds is saying right here. And as we move into a 12-team playoff era, when the people that run college football, that get rich off college football, need this sport apparently to be as national as possible, just pay very close attention to what they're willing to do to make this sport more national and make sure teams like Georgia don't do all the winning. Watch it closely and let's see how it goes. We'll obviously do that. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's uh, poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper. And, of course, Dr. Pepper is the one fans deserve. Whether we're happy, sad, anything else in between, Dr. Pepper always goes with our college football uh, conversation around here. And as you're moving towards the holiday time, Christmas parties, things like that, we think Dr. Pepper is a great thing for you there on that too. So when you're shopping at your local Kroger wherever else you're going, Make sure you enjoy some one-of-a-kind, rich, flavorful Dr. Pepper. Strawberries and cream, Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, Diet Dr. Pepper. You want the uh, regular Dr. Pepper there as well? I told you the other day I had some great uh, – we had a little birthday party with my son. Had a little regular Dr. Pepper there on that. A, a lot of fun. Whether, whatever, either way, uh, when you're doing your shopping here this holiday season, pick up some Dr. Pepper. Make it a big part of all your holiday plans, just the same way it has been a big part of your college football plans all season long all right it's jake Fromm coming up a lot to get into with jake i'm also late getting to mike griffith here so let me apologize to him and dive right into that here right now it is a georgia farm bureau insider update we'll welcome in mike griffith here to dog nation daily here right now from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead Here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Mike Griffith here, Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. Gra- glad to have Mike as a part of our program here today. I got a lot of questions lately about some of the things that uh, Mike has reported, so we'll get some information on that here before we're done here coming up in a couple of minutes. Prior to that, Mike, sort of had my say on the Marvin Jones Jr. thing off the top of the show. You know, this one transfer name is not, you know, in any way sort of a, a – a disaster for Georgia this is obviously not even a starter level player at least based on you know how many snaps that he was getting but it is a former five-star edge rusher these are the kinds of players you typically need to have in order to compete at the highest level and you do want to be careful about a guy like this coming in for a couple of years not exactly thriving and perhaps going somewhere else whether it was injury uh aided or not all of those things are I think worth kind of paying attention to there on that so what is your immediate reaction to seeing Jones Jr perhaps I would say the biggest name from Georgia thus, so f- thus far going into the transfer portal? Well, I mean, I look at the position, Brandon, and there's a lot of young talent at that position, and I, I think this is probably one of those decisions that Georgia made. You know, they, they're going to prioritize who they're going to keep. You, you can't keep them all. You can't pay everybody the same amount. You can't keep everybody happy on your team. 
and the coaching staff has to prioritize who they want to keep. Now, there's times there's guys that have left. You know, obviously, A.D. Mitchell, right? If A.D. Mitchell's still with Georgia, they beat Alabama in the SEC title game. If they've got a receiver that can catch two touchdown passes against Alabama in the SEC title game, as A.D. Mitchell did for Texas in Tuscaloosa, Georgia's going to the, to the playoffs. But you can't always keep those key players, whether it was money, whether it was family, whether it was circumstance. That one hurt. I haven't seen him lose a guy like that through the portal yet. Not saying some of the guys going pro might not hurt if they decide to leave. But from a portal standpoint, I think Georgia's done a pretty good job of managing that to this point. I guess the only thing I would say about that is it would be hard for me to imagine they would you know, process Marvin Jones Jr. giving one of the late you know, recruit he was just a couple of years ago. And my, given the fact that this was, I think we would be fair to say, the weakest area of the Georgia defense here this year, continual issues on the edge – you know, the idea that, that, you know, Georgia feels like it's fine at outside linebacker and edge rusher, uh, just given the fact that they didn't get to the quarterback very effectively this year and they were continually sort of plagued by difficulty sort of setting the edge over there. It seems like they'd want all the help they could get on the outside yeah. edge of the defense here right now. I'd agree. I'd agree. I just want to be, I want to be clear on it. I'm not saying they processed him. I'm just saying that I don't think they prioritized him like they did other players. I think there's probably a, a gray area between prioritizing a player and showing them the door. Uh, and I think Jones probably fell somewhere in between. That's my guess. I think if he was a high-priority player that Georgia wanted to pour into, um, I think they would have kept him. But, but remember, it was just a few years ago when a really talented Jermaine Johnson right. decided to leave because he wanted more playing time and didn't want to be a part uh, of a rotation. And he went on to become the ACC Player of the Year and, and start at Florida State. It didn't hurt quite as much because Georgia won a national right. title, but that was a really, really valuable player. Uh, I don't know. I guess, Brennan, if we're looking back at most talented players lost through the portal, uh, Jermaine Johnson would be somewhere near the top of the list. No, I think you're right, and the point you bring up is not a small one, that when Johnson goes to Florida State and has the great year, nobody really cared who's you know a Georgia diehard because – George was obviously putting together a historic defense. In fact, it was almost a source of humor that Georgia could have also had Jermaine Johnson on a defense that was as good as the one was. So it became kind of like this weird curiosity, this almost triviality of, and they could have had Jermaine Johnson. When Georgia was doing as well as it was, the fact that Johnson was thriving at Florida State was not really on anybody's radar. But if Jones Jr., who perhaps may also go to Florida State based on the rumor mill, if he were to go there and also put up bigger numbers at Florida State than he was putting up at Georgia, now you don't quite have the 2021 defense left over at Georgia kind of absorb that conversation. And does it potentially become negative fodder for recruiting if guys like Johnson, guys like Jones Jr., if they are leaving, going and getting bigger numbers somewhere else at that point in time, and I'm only asking this because it seems fair to wonder, at that point in time, would that perhaps be viewed in kind of the world of negative recruiting as a, a, a trend that would need to be addressed? Well, I suppose on a micro level, but I look around the landscape and everybody's losing talented players, and, and only if Georgia were to have some massive drop-off, and I, I don't anticipate that. Now, I will say this year um, – the next man up wasn't there, okay? The next man up wasn't there at the receiver position when they needed it. Uh, the next man up wasn't there at the linebacker position. The freshman didn't do the assignment. I mean, that, that was particularly irritating to me. Um, when I look on the other side of the ball and I see an experienced guy like Tresman Marshall uh, fumble, get a fumble recovery at the Georgia 11 and stop Dejon Edwards on a third and two. And then I contrast that, because that guy would have been starting for Georgia. He was next man up 
uh, behind injured Jamon Dumas Johnson if he sticks around. Instead, he transfers, and he helps Alabama beat Georgia, and Georgia had to rely on a freshman that Kirby Smart said blew a coverage on a first and 20 at the 28. Uh, you and I have sat through enough games that first and 20 at the Georgia 28 means field goal at worst. I, Brandon, I can't think of another first and 20 maybe anywhere on the field where a team gets a touchdown against a Kirby Smart defense. But because you were down to a freshman, there's a blown assignment, and, and Bama's got a touchdown and a 7-3 to three lead. I mean, that, that's, that's gifting. I think Kirby Smart used the word gift. That is a direct byproduct of the portal. That's the direct byproduct of a two-time national champion like Tresman Marshall, a veteran player who transferred out after last year, and now he's on the other team. So not only do you not have him to provide that championship depth that we saw in 2021 and 2022, but he's on the other team beating you. And that's, that's where it gets hard to swallow if you're Georgia, is that these are guys you've trained. These are guys you've recruited. These are guys you've developed. These are guys that know your system. And they take that expertise somewhere else, and they share it with other teammates. And this is just the world we're in now. It's becoming more and more like free agency. But I think what really gets my goat, and I don't know, maybe that's the wrong thing, but maybe irritates or frustrates me a little bit, is that when you've identified team leaders, I, I, I think that goes past the coin flip. I think that needs to happen in the locker room, and I think it needs to happen in decision-making. And if you're going to be a team leader, Brandon, I don't think you can hold out. I think if you hold out, you hurt your team, and I don't think you're being the team leader. So I think you have to choose very carefully who you empower with team leader duties, and uh, I think that's playing out right now. All right, we'll talk more about that maybe in a moment. But the other big news of the week is what's going on with Dylan Riola. The fact that you know you got twenty four seven sports, uh, Steve Wilfong, you know, basically openly predicting that he's going to flip to Nebraska. It's kind of been widely reported that he will take an official <laughs> visit there this weekend. Something that's very unorthodox, just given you know the fact that he should be on campus getting ready to begin Georgia practices, but instead he's visiting Nebraska. It seems pretty likely here that that Riola is probably going to flip from Georgia to Nebraska. Not a done deal, not a given, but it certainly seems like that's the direction the train is moving here right now. What do you make of the uh, Riola news as it has played out thus far this week? Yeah, what what a what a train ride it's been, Brandon. What is you know, and, and listen, you know, um, I thought it was uncharacteristic for a guy to move to Buford for his senior year without telling the school first that he was going to be there. But look, it is what it is. It's a super talented quarterback. Um, it's from a Nebraska family. Nebraska's trying to do something special here. And they need a lot of help. <laughs> they need a lot more help than Dylan Riola and the Ohio State quarterback can bring them. I mean, Matt Rule has got some some heavy lifting to do. And that was really a once-proud program. And, you know, Nebraska needed the transfer portal because, Lord knows, they don't develop any talent in-state and what tradition they've had. People got to go back to their grandfathers to remember it. So, but listen, if he's got a guarantee there, He's got an uncle on the staff there that got a major raise. You saw the same report I did. Yeah. He's got an uncle on staff that miraculously gets a giant raise. And he's, if he's got a guaranteed spot in, versus coming to Georgia, we we got to compete. I mean, look, we just saw a five-star guy. And that's probably, to me, the most damaging guy that left was Brock Vandergrift just because of the character, the true leadership, the true, you know, the true student-athlete. That's the one that hurts the most, because that's not a guy that's holding out. That's a guy that's saying, let's get ready and go into the next season. You saw that. Vandergriff said, you know what? I'm not playing this game. I'm, I want to play football. Let's go. Kentucky, I'm here. Let's go. You know, no, no holdout, no who's going to pay me the most, none of that kind of stuff. 
can't decide what I, none of that. Um, if this is what Raiola wants to do, then then it's a good thing that it's happening now. Better than if he gets on the team and, and runs into this bulldog, Ryan Pugliese, who does not give a dang who the other guy is and, and loses the team. Well, then you've wasted reps, you've wasted time. It, you don't If he doesn't want that competition, if he's going to be, um, you know, I, I would just, you know, was it a good thing that Justin Fields ever came to Georgia? I don't know the answer to that question. Um, yeah, you sure did want him. But when he leaves after one year, did that turn out to be a positive or a negative? I don't really know. But the fact that this kid can sort it out in advance and realize that maybe he's not cut out for Kirby's, the plan is there is no plan. Maybe he's not cut out for a place where you've got to fight every day for your job. Not everybody signs up for that. And I know every fan thinks that program, it's not, it's just not true. There's different levels, you know, and having served in the military, I saw this. There's different levels of commitment to excellence. And it's like that with different football programs. And if you're going to be a Georgia Bulldog, man, it is not an easy road. Yeah, there's, there's greatness and cheers and glory, but the day-to-day life is not for everyone. And if Royola recognizes that and wants to go where his father made a big name as an All-American, I still remember. Um, I had the deciding vote on the Outland Trophy in, what was it, 2000? I voted for John Henderson over him, over his dad, the center at, at Nebraska. Um, maybe, you know, blame me. I don't know. You got to blame somebody. I did, I'm just joking. I just, I just don't think that Raul is the kind of guy, um, you know, that we should, you know, uh, you know, judge too early, make too much out of. But his track record certainly indicates um, that he doesn't stay in one place too long. All right, it's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily. And of course, uh, when you think about folks living here in the state of Georgia, one thing you understand is is we're all kind of in the same boat, right? We're trying to get to work every day. That means we're depending on our vehicle to get there, which means we want really effective auto insurance coverage to help us with that vehicle. Or we're living in our home. We're raising our kids there. We're you know making our memories there. It's also perhaps the source of our greatest financial investment there too, which means we need terrific home insurance coverage to make sure that all that stays safe and secure. These are the things the Georgia Farm Bureau understands because they're living right here in the state of Georgia just like you every single day. Claims adjusters, the agents, friendly folks who understand what it means to kind of do life here in the state of Georgia. So when you have insurance needs, auto, life, home, our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau want to talk to you about the variety of options they have for you in all those categories. So please find them online. It's GFB Insurance. The GFB, of course, stands for Georgia Farm Bureau. GFB Insurance online, gfbinsurance.com there on that and find out why Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. All right, Mike, so I want to finish with this. I've got a lot of questions about some of the stuff that you've reported as of late, including, I guess, a statement from your show there on Monday. Am I understanding correctly that you're reporting that Carson Beck is asking for $4 million from Georgia, and if he doesn't get $4 million, he's not coming back? That's what some people seem to think that you have said uh, based on going back to Monday night's show. So could you offer some clarification on that? Is Beck asking for such a large sum of money? I believe you used the word you know, hold out during this interview? Is it your reporting that Beck is holding out for $4 million and if he doesn't get wow. it, he's not coming? You're, you're, putting a lot, you're putting a lot of words in my mouth. Let's slow down here. Let's just... Well, no, these are, are the questions... That, yeah, these are the, these, are the, these, are the, these are the questions that are being asked to me, so I want to make sure, sure I give you sure. a chance to no, clarify all that. Yeah, I get that. No, I, I've not said anything about Carson Beck giving George an ultimatum and saying if he doesn't get this money. I've never reported that. That's never been said anywhere. 
Um, who were you referencing that, a minute ago when you said the holdout? Who who's who, who were you? Well, re- I, I just think players in general that don't declare their intentions. You know, you're either you're either in the bucket or you're out of the bucket, right? Mm. I think Malachi Stark said on a podcast this week. I mean, you're either in or you're out, and, and there's a lot of in between right now. There's so a lot do you of think Beck is? Do you think Beck is holding out? I think all the players that aren't de- that haven't declared their intentions for next season uh, are, in a sense, holding out on what their intentions are. The staff can't move forward until they are aware of what their intentions are. It'd almost be like if I said, "Brandon, are you going to do any Dog Nation programming in January?" And he said, "Geez, Mike, I don't know." I say, "Oh my gosh, what's Brandon doing? I don't know whether he's going to be doing programming or not." I'd wonder. You're, you know, my goodness, how could we not know? So, in that sense, I think this is what college football's become. I think it's become a year-to-year negotiation for players and coaches. Now that they can transfer anywhere, uh, there's an unlimited salary cap, and it's unrestricted free agency. They can go to any other program. Uh, they can get paid any amount, and it's on an annual basis. So if a coach in a program doesn't know the intention of the player, I, I don't know what other phrase we could use uh, as for Beck in the reports, uh, not, not just me, there's multiple reports, uh, Carson Beck uh, in his camp, he does have a camp. There are people in Jacksonville that are associated with Carson Beck um, that have said that he wants, uh, he's asking uh, the camp is for his value. Uh, and his NFL value at that is it four now, million? Is he NFL asking for four million? Is he asking for four million dollars? It's upwards of four million. That his NFL value is estimated of upwards of four million dollars based on projections. If he gets drafted between uh, late first round or as the seventh player, just for an example, Stetson Bennett last year had a contract worth four million dollars when he signed as the seventh quarterback selected in the NFL draft in the fourth round. Now, currently, Mel Kuyper Jr. has Carson ranked as the seventh quarterback. Now, between you and I and anybody listening, I think Carson Beck would go higher than the fourth round. I think Carson Beck would probably go no lower than the second round. If you're looking at guaranteed money uh, for, the, for the fourth quarterback taken, which is Will Levis, Levis had a contract worth $8 million, and that was the report uh, that came from a Jacksonville writer. So... Um, what I was told was over $4 million. What I've seen reported is Will Levis money, uh, because that is supposedly the comparison for Carson Beck. Now, does it come down to money? I don't know that it comes down to money. Anybody can ask whatever they want. There's a big difference between an ask and an ultimatum, to be clear. And I've never said there was an ultimatum, because I don't believe there is one. I'm being told that Carson genuinely is, is trying to make a decision on what he wants to do. And I don't think that money is the only factor. But if he's not trying to get his value, that would be a story. Because now all the players are trying to get their value. Hence, my comments earlier uh, about Marvin Jones Jr. When I say that I think they prioritized other players, uh, what I'm really saying is I think they're paying other players more than they're offering him to stay. Uh, Because I think this is the new hidden salary structure behind the scenes, and it's ugly and nobody likes it. But this is the reality we're in with unrestricted free agency. So, once again, to kind of, I guess, put a fine point on this. So, is Carson Beck asking for $4 million? Because I think that's what some people thought was. Yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I've been told. I've been told 
that that is the ask. I'm not saying that that's the, any sort of a negotiation. I haven't talked to Carson Beck. I haven't claimed to talk to Carson Beck. What I've done is talk to people uh, that are around Carson Beck, that are aware of his situation, and the fact of the matter is, like any other starting quarterback returning in the SEC, there are going to be NIL and financial considerations for his return. I don't even necessarily uh, think that it's the determining factor, but I think it is part of the decision-making process for every player with the ability to go pro. They all have to decide. I think that when Alabama, for example, returned five or six seniors to that 2020 team, Brandon, I don't think they all came back for free. I don't think I don't think Najee well, sure. came back for free. No, yeah, sure, I don't sure. think Devontae did. So what I'm saying is, now Carson Beck, because he's the quarterback, because he's a very visible player, um, you know, he's he's kind of uh, kind of the poster child for free agency at Georgia because he's a he's a guy with an option who could go pro. He's right on the fence. He's not a high enough pick where you'd say it's under, where you'd say it's a no brainer, but he's certainly not a low pick either. He's a guy who looks like he could be ready for the NFL, but on the other hand, you say he could also get better. So he's in a really unique position as a guy who's almost NFL ready, as a guy who maybe a team could draft with thoughts that he could be a starter, but maybe not. And he's on a profile, a high-profile championship program where he would be ushered in as the starter in 2024. So he has a very unique negotiating position. The guy that was going to back him up is already gone. So he's got all the leverage in the world. Brock Vandergrift has already left camp. Brock wasn't sticking around. Quote unquote, quote unquote, we didn't want that drama from that family. They don't want the drama, so they're out. Riley Leonard, who a, a guy who Georgia was rumored to have something, he's committed to Notre Dame. If there was a waiting game going on, it's over. You know, for all I know, Carson Beck could be settled in and, and ready to go for next year, and we just don't know it yet. You know, they may have already settled on a deal at Georgia. He may already be in camp, and everybody's happy, and by the time we go to the bowl game, everybody's going to say, oh, we don't know what you're talking about. There was never any money issue. We were just sitting around playing Rubik's Cube. Well, that was the other question that came up. You mentioned Riley Leonard's name. I know you wrote about Leonard, or at least you mentioned Leonard in the story the other day. You know, most of the conventional mainstream reporting had Leonard only connected Notre Dame. In fact, there was a report, I believe, in 24-7 Sports that Leonard had a no-contact tag in the transfer Correct. portal. Essentially, you know, in most cases, that's a designation that he's already sort of figured out where he's going, even prior to going to the transfer portal, whether that's, you know, allowed or not. I guess that was what, you know, the conventional wisdom was there. Is it your reporting that Georgia was interested in Riley Leonard? Had interest in Riley Leonard that there was mutual interest to some degree. Now, I don't know to what point. Again, we're talking about gray matter here. If Riley Leonard knew he was going to Notre Dame, he probably just would have committed on the visit and been done with it. But we're in an era now where these players say, well, no, not so fast. Let's just see what happens. You go visit Notre Dame, and then you wait a few days. You think it takes them that long to do a video or something? No. You know, everybody checks their boxes. Everybody negotiates. No one rushes into things. And it's, sometimes it's, I think it's hard for fans. And it, was, it certainly would have been hard for me. I, I remember this, Brandon. I remember when I was a fan of the Denver Broncos. This is going back into the 1980s, and I was just getting started in my career as a journalist. And I went and covered a Denver Broncos Hall of Fame game, and I was talking to John Elway about Bobby Humphrey holding out. And I just, for the life of me, couldn't understand why Bobby Humphrey was holding out and why he wasn't in camp for, for this team that I really liked. 
Like, well, why wouldn't she play? Why wouldn't she? And, and Elway was saying, well, you know, if he doesn't come, we'll find somebody else. And I was thinking, boy, that's a killer. I, I really didn't understand the game. I really didn't understand how it worked. Because who wouldn't want to play for that team? Who wouldn't want to come back and win a Super Bowl? So when you're invested in a team and you wear those colored goggles or you're the voice of the fan or a fan, it's kind of hard to understand how people could hold out and say that, that, this, that there could be something better or another program they'd want to look at. You don't want to play for that team or you don't. So you think Carson Beck is... reality now. So you it's think, all free agency. You think Carson Beck is then holding out. I just want to make sure I understand that. Because this, this is the question that I've been getting. So, so it is your reporting that Beck is holding out right now. My reporting is that Carson Beck doesn't know what he wants to do. You can, you can call that whatever you want, but in my, to my knowledge, and as far as my terminology, if you don't know what you want and your team's not clear on your intentions, then I think that is a form of it. Now, from what I understand, he practiced with the team. You know, we we can put we can play whatever semantics we want on it. The issue that I have is that the team doesn't know what the guy's going to do. And I think that handicaps the coaching staff when they're trying to make plans for the bowl game, when they're trying to make plans in recruiting, when they're looking for other quarterbacks in the portal. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those, get, you, know, you're, you know, get off the pot, right? What are you going to do? Are you in or are you out? At some point, you've got to make a decision. At some point, Georgia has to move forward with other players. And that's where this gets tricky. And nobody's saying that Carson Beck is doing anything quote-unquote wrong. This is, this is where college football's at. This isn't the only place where this is happening. You know, Jake Fromm had to wait a while before he made his decision. Remember that? We were all waiting on Jake Fromm's decision. And it went a lot later than December. It went into January, as I recall, before Jake decided. And I think Jake is the consummate leader. I think Jake is as good of a leader as I've seen uh, at the University of Georgia. I think he's a, a tremendous person and individual. So the fact that players aren't sure or want to make a decision later, I, I think I, I don't think that's necessarily an indictment on them. But in this day and age now with the free agency and the portal, I, I think it's a very unique position uh, you know, that, that Carson finds himself in. And I think the whole Georgia program is, is waiting to see what number 15 is going to do because he's a talented guy who could go to the NFL and play right away, I think. All right, Mike, I appreciate you uh, providing some clarity on that. Like I said, I just gotten questions on it, so I wanted to you know, give sure. you a chance to uh, address all Thank of you. that. We'll look forward to having you back on the show uh, again very soon as well. All right, look forward to it, Brandon. Have Th- a good one. Thanks a lot. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So I'll let uh, people kind of figure all of that out. I don't know that I would use holdout the way that Mike did there, just to be completely honest with you, but obviously – uh, I'm going to let Mike's reporting on that sort of stand on its own. And obviously, speaking of this topic of, you know, what's going on with Beck and what's going on with Don Ryle and all that, we're going to have uh, Jake Fromm here coming up on some of that uh, in just a minute there as well. Prior to that, by the way, we we're running very late, so let's pick up the pace here a little bit. Cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And, of course, Dog Nation Cruise coming up in April, April 2024, on Allure of the Seas, a chance to go to Nassau in the Bahamas and Perfect Day, Coco Cay, and all the fun associated with all of that. We want you to be there as well. In fact, you can find uh, more information online, great website put together by a terrific travel agent, royaldogs.com. 
That's RoyalDogs.com. That's the website on all of that. Jessica Slater put it together. You can give her a call as well, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Make sure you tell her BA said hi if you talk to her. And email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com. Jessica got you covered on all of that. So we'll see you in April uh, on Allure of the Seas there for that. Now, a few stories here. Obviously, we set off the top of the show that we knew there was going to be a period of time in which kind of a tough, bad news cycle for Georgia. No one's impervious to that. No one's immune to that. And as a Georgia fan, you just kind of work your way through all of that, and then you're sort of better on the other side. In fact, you start to see a couple of you know rumblings about where specifically it might get better pretty soon. We had kind of a funny golden shoe making fun of Florida and their loss of Trevor Etienne yesterday. And, and there's some online reporting from On3 right now where more of these predictions are coming in about the idea that Etienne truly is going to land at Georgia. That's an SEC-ready running back, one of the top 10 backs in this league uh, in terms of the overall stats and things like that. Etienne would be obviously a pretty big ad for Georgia. It seems like that could be some good news that certainly shows no signs of slowing down in terms of perhaps eventually landing in a place like UGA. In addition to that, London Humphreys uh, also continues to kind of build some online predictions there as well about the fact that he might land in Georgia. Now, I'll be totally honest here when it comes to Humphreys. This was not a guy that was really on my radar very much. I guess, you know, sometimes these uh, Vanderbilt players sort of slip through the uh, cracks here a little bit. But Humphreys had a good year as a freshman for uh, Vanderbilt a year ago and would have some options about where he could go. And it seems like coming off the official visit this weekend, now he's got other choices he can consider too, but uh, coming off the official visit from this weekend, it seems like Humphreys, I think a lot of folks believe, is truly trending towards Georgia. And if he does come, I think that should be treated as a pretty big deal given the kind of numbers he put up on an otherwise pretty bad Vanderbilt team here this year. And I would also say in light of kind of everything we've seen circumstantially around the Georgia program, are you really getting what is kind of viewed as one of the top transfers on the market at wide receiver to place like Georgia? If you really think you're going to lose your starting quarterback, I guess I would wonder that. Now, as I've said before, boy, it'd be a great time for Carson to kind of come out and announce this and sort of let it all be known. That'd certainly be a really good thing from a PR standpoint from Georgia. But if you really are trending towards Humphreys, a guy that's going to have a lot of options, doesn't that sort of suggest circumstantially, like some of the other news that's been out there, that perhaps uh, you know Carson Beck is going to uh, come back here? At least it's worth considering there on that. But at the very least, there could be some good transfer news coming from Georgia here at some point in time. I'll also mention this. Matt Rule was on the McAvee show, and he's talking about how, you know, basically a lot of folks were coaching-wise were kind of upset with him about what he recently said about the going rate for a quarterback and things like that, um, about being a million and a half, you know, two million, of course – you know, uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. Basically, you know, rules essentially kind of double down on that, you know, around the idea. It certainly feels to me like this is a guy sort of priming the pump for his own (laughs) boosters to make sure they gave big for the uh, quarterback or quarterbacks they want to go out there and buy. And I think a lot of people have kind of pushed back on the idea the number is anywhere near that big for most quarterbacks. Could it be that big for a guy like Cam Ward who's perhaps on the move Uh, leaving Washington State, might go to Ohio State, also trying to use the leverage of maybe I'll just go to the NFL. We've seen that coming out of awards camp here a little bit. I think most people who view the Matt Rule stuff would say, yeah, for the very best quarterbacks, obviously in the open market, seven figures, maybe not a stretch. Every single quarterback getting seven figures, 
I think that's sort of wishful thinking on the part of a coach that's like that's trying to raise as much money from his boosters as he possibly can. By the way, speaking of Ohio State, it certainly seems like they have a chance to be something close to full strength there for the Cotton Bowl. And Mecca Book, the uh, receiver, he said he's going to play. Growing suggestion that Marvin Jones, Mar- Marvin Jones, that's the other guy from the beginning of the show, Marvin Harrison Jr. might also play there as well. So uh, looks like Ohio State for the game coming up against Missouri might be a little bit more full strength than perhaps you might would have thought. The Harrison thing is not official, but other receivers are saying they're playing. There's some chatter coming out that the expectation is is that maybe all of the possible opt-outs for the Buckeyes, or at least most of them, uh, do play here in this spot, obviously minus Kyle McCord, who's on his way out of the program. And then finally, we get the full official SEC schedule coming up tonight one thing that we already have out though we already kind of know the schedule the georgia schedule leaked leaked last week we have the official announcement today that the georgia alabama game on september 28th will be a 7 30 kick uh this coming out just before our show started today so one of the things that could be interesting in a new media world in which espn abc owns the entirety of the sec rights is that we may get a lot more game time announcements a lot sooner than the past where we have to kind of wait till the season for most of these. ESPN may give you a lot more of these earlier. In fact, we already know the game time for Alabama and uh, Georgia there that particular night. And also maybe this is a little bit of a suggestion that the SEC, in, or I should say that ESPN intends to have these big SEC games at night as opposed to what has been the main piece of real estate at 3.30 in years past there on CBS. Just something to pay attention to. We'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And for now, more on all the quarterback stuff going on around Georgia, let's do a Kroger Fresh Take and bring on Jake Fromm here today. Quarterback Jake Fromm to the program. Jake, we appreciate your time. (laughs) Obviously, the quarterback position is in the news for Georgia, maybe not the way that Georgia fans would like for it to be. I don't know how aware you are of this. I know you're busy with your own football career but uh you know reports rumors here to begin the week that dylan riola longtime georgia commit might be considering a flip to nebraska he's definitely taking an official visit to nebraska this upcoming weekend that final weekend prior to the early signing period which starts uh next week it's obviously a lot for georgia fans to process so jake i guess i'll ask you as someone who kind of played prior to this nil sort of transfer portal age which we live in which seems like crazy stuff can happen on a whim you know how do you make sense of something like this that has seemingly been kind of a done deal for georgia such a long time kind of perhaps potentially fizzling out here at the end well you know how how would you even begin to process something like that you know initially with this whole nil and and transfer portal thing initially we all thought that the rich are going to get richer that these good teams are just going to Keep being good teams, but but in all reality, it's really shown that that there's it's creating a lot of parity throughout college football, and and that these kind of teams that are on the cusp of of wanting to be great, you know, they're right there, you know, a few key pieces away, and they're making moves. You know, Nebraska, you know, a historically good program, uh, trying to come back and get on the scene, and uh, they're really making a, a big time move and a big play for a uh, a really highly talented and ranked uh, quarterback prospect in high school. So. You know, it's I, I can't I can't blame him. You know, uh, the, the reason that he was probably committed for a while. You know, he thought Carson maybe was a, a one and done deal. Maybe Carson's coming back and, and he wants the opportunity to go play. And you know, quite frankly, you're not really making as much in NIL and, and uh, you're not making the kind of money that you would want to be making if you're not on the field playing. So uh, looks like he's he's um, putting a lot of weight into playing and, and I think yeah. he wants the opportunity to go play. So it's kind of kind of hard to fault him for that. Obviously, you know, from a Georgia fan perspective, 
you know, uh, want want the best guys in the room possible that you can get. But uh, I think there's some really good guys that are in that room already, um, and I, I I think we're in good hands. And uh, with the transfer portal too, you just you, you never know year in year out. I mean, Kirby could go pluck someone from somewhere else. I don't you know. I don't think that's the way that he, he wants to do things in, yeah. in his program. You know, he wants to be able to, to grow guys up and to grow guys up and develop them, uh, especially at the quarterback position. But, um, man, college football, those, those days are changing, and um, you better better get with the time. Along those lines, you mentioned something. You know, I think a lot of us have a hard time understanding what's actually real about stuff like this, where if you're a quarterback, let's say you're Dylan Riola considering come to Georgia or – you know, any quarterback in a similar situation like that, like how much of a conversation goes on about what kind of situation am I, I going to find myself in if I go to this school? In other words, at one point in time, you and your family, I'm sure, were sitting down with all of the schools you were considering going to. And how much of a promise, you know, do these coaches make about who they'll bring in and what your chance for playing time is? And how much of that is, hey, we're just going to throw you out there and we'll just sort of see how it goes? In other words, how much of a right for, I guess, some sort of expectation do quarterbacks have the option to ask for, and how much will a coach allow for what the competitive scenario is going to look like with all the other quarterbacks on campus, whether it be a returning starter or other recruits or whatever else? How much of that conversation really does go on? Yeah, from my experience, and I, this, this is the Kirby that I know, um, Kirby that I know is never going to promise uh, playing time to anyone, especially at the quarterback position, um, but he is going to give you every opportunity to compete and win that job, right? Like, for me, co- uh, coming in, uh, Jacob was the guy, um, and he said, look, Jacob's going to be you know, a, a really good football player, um, but, you know, you're going to have the opportunity to compete. You're going to have a lot of reps to show what you can do. Um, you know, if you, if you win the job, great, but, like, his message is always compete, 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 uh, and then the process is going to make everybody better and make the team better. So um, that, that was always his message with me, and I just I can't see a different Kirby, like, steering away from that message. That's, that's just what I know him to be, and that's what, in my opinion, has made his program as great as it is. As you mentioned a moment ago, it's hard to fault Dylan, perhaps, if he's getting some large sum of NIL money or something like that. Maybe we would all make a similar decision if we were in the same set of circumstances. But I also know this, when you were coming in the class of 2017, you were a leader for that class. You were part of those text threads. You guys were always talking back and forth. Some of those famous commitment videos were filmed at your house. Like you were a big part of that 2017 class. Could you ever have imagined leaving that class like a few days before you all signed, which back then was in February. Now for a lot of these guys, it's in December. Could you have ever imagined kind of, leaving all of that after this long-standing relationship had been put in place? Yeah, I mean, that's a very tough uh, what-if scenario. Um, I just know that it, it has made and, and will make that decision that much harder for him, you know, having been that invested um, in guys in that class and, and you know, in, in building something, um, you know, special throughout the recruiting process with a bunch of different guys and players and and families too. So, um, you know, there's a lot of real relationships made during the whole recruiting uh, carousel that you go on in high school. And um, I, I think, and I believe that that will make the decision even tougher of whether he decides to stay with this commitment or, or go on to, to newer and better things. The other quarterback in this class for Georgia's Ryan Puglisi from Connecticut. A lot of folks obviously like what he brings to the table, and there's probably more consideration on the part of Georgia fans right now because of how uncertain things are with Riola's future. 
Have you gotten to see much of Ryan Puglisi, whether it be video or anything like that? I, as I said before, I know how busy you are with your own football career here, but any insight on Puglisi, the other quarterback commit to UGA? Because there are a lot of people that also like what he brings to the table. Yeah, um, I, I wish say that, that I have and, and, and been more up to date on it. Um, and, and honestly, the only reason I was really got to, to watch more of uh, Dylan's stuff was because he uh, he played at Buford, yeah. you know, and I'm seeing all kind of Georgia high school football highlights all the time yeah. on, on my Twitter feed. So, um, no, I wish I was more up to date on, on watching more of him. I, I don't know. Seems like a very good kid and, and uh, you know, a, a good character kid. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I wish I could speak more on it. But, uh, I mean, it always helps to have two really good quarterback commits in a class because you never know what, what what's going to happen. Want to ask you more about Carson Beck's future in a moment? Let me remind folks prior to that this is our Kroger Fresh Tag with Jake Fromm here today on Dog Nation Daily. And of course, as you're moving towards the holiday season, you want time to enjoy your family and friends. You want money to buy the things that make this time of year so much fun. And that's what the uh, brand new membership option from Kroger called Kroger Boost will give you a chance to experience more on both of those accounts. Because when you're out there shopping for the things you're already buying at Kroger, you'll get twice the fuel points when you buy those things as a Kroger Boost member. You can also get free grocery delivery there as well. So for all the great features and benefits that come your way because of a Kroger Boost membership, make sure you check them out online, kroger.com slash boost for more on that. That's kroger.com slash boost for more on that. And Jake, to uh, kind of finish with up on this conversation, Obviously, all of the uncertainty around Riola puts a larger spotlight on the future of Carson Beck. Georgia fans have been hopeful that he would perhaps return for the 2024 season even prior to all of this, and now it seems way more important to get kind of Beck back in the fold. You know, I know we talked a little bit about this last week, but from your perspective, what's the thought process right now for Carson Beck, and what do you think it's like to be him right now sifting through the idea of, you could be a pretty good draft pick in 2024. You might be a very good first-round pick, perhaps, in 2025. You could come back and maybe finish off some some business you didn't quite finish here in the 2023 season. With the Orange Bowl looming, and we would presume an announcement coming from Carson in some form or fashion in the very near future, what do you think is going through his mind right now? Yeah, I mean, you're just, you're just kind of weighing all the, uh, all the information you're given. You know, right now it's just about collecting as much information as you can, um, you know, which, which, you know, my guys are going to be, what, you know, the, the prospect for next year, what that's going to look like, you know, or just maybe taking what's given, uh, your possible draft grade, uh, what the situation looks like in the NFL, uh, which, which teams need quarterbacks, how many, you know, realistic starting opportunities are there in the NFL next year. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much information um, and scenarios that, that can go. And uh, it's, a, it's a very, very tough, uh, you know, decision to make. You know, you, you take what's given and a, a possible, you know, maybe second to, to fifth round, you know, fifth round opportunity. Uh, you know, you could also get that same you know, thing next year. You could get hurt, could, you know, lose, you know, some draft stock or, you know, you have everything to gain too as well. So you just don't know um, – you just really want to hope that uh, you just have some really good people around you giving you some good information and giving you some good advice. When quarterbacks are in the news, it's great to have a guy who's been a quarterback and who is a quarterback to help us make sense of all of this. Jake, we certainly appreciate that as part of our Kroger Fresh Take here today. We hope you have a great week, and we'll hopefully look forward to talking to you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily as well. Brandon, as always, man, thank you for having me. 
Good stuff there from Jake Fromm, as always. And once again, my listening face, if you're watching on video, you realize takes another L. And <laughs> it just never gets any better after all these years. Hey, something that always is good, though, and doesn't need to get any better because it's, it's already as good as it can be. That's our friends at the Finish Long Drink. So make sure you check out the Long Drink online at longdrink.com. Put in your zip code. A lot of folks this time of year are saying, B.A., I've heard you talk about that peach-flavored version of the finished long drink, where can I find some? Well, if you put in your zip code there at thelongdrink.com, you can figure that out. Or traditional blue can, grapefruit flavor, or gin kick. Great thing for all your holiday parties. Long drink, zero. No carbs, no sugar. If you're like me and you're kind of already starting eating like the holiday cookies and things like that, the long drink, zero is a great way to kind of counter out, counterbalance all of that. Uh, long drink, strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume with a long drink cranberry there as well. Great tasting, ready to drink cocktail. Wonderful category of beverage and the best tasting beverage in that category is our friends at the Finished Long Drink. So find them online at thelongdrink.com. Also, if you need your uh, crawl space repaired or anything like that, our friends at AquaGuard got you covered on all of that with a nationally backed warranty, giving you the ultimate protection against water and foundation damage. That's what a groundworks company like AquaGuard is all about. Now, we know how you're in Georgia, talk about the soft ground, things like that. You're kind of ripe for these sorts of issues, and that's why you want to know everything about AquaGuard uh, to give your crawl space the attention, the maintenance that it deserves, making sure you take really good care of uh, all of that. The trusted experts from AquaGuard are going to come out, assess the situation, and they're going to uh, kind of diagnose the problem, tell you all about it, and then install the solution that protects your home and keeps everything kind of underneath the uh, floor there exactly the way that it's supposed to be. So check out them online, aquaguard.net, for more on that. That's aquaguard.net. All right, and today's marathon broadcast comes to an end, and it comes to an end in style with our golden shoe. A lot of folks kind of wondering, you know, future of some of these Georgia recruits, Jaden Riddell's mom, Chris Riddell, who's always been very outspoken on social media, and we love that about her, shouting out Ryan Puglisi, who kind of officially graduated from, is it Avon Old Farms? Well, that sounds like a lot fancier high school than I went to. Avon Old Farms up there in Connecticut. Uh, Puglisi graduates on his way down to Georgia. In fact, you see his family kind of flanked around him wearing the Georgia gear. And Chris Riddell, Jaden Riddell, the outstanding tight end's mom, saying, I said it once, I'll say it again. That class of 24 is going to rock. Hashtag go dogs. Good stuff from Krista there on that. We will give her a golden shoe and all dog nation a golden shoe for the enthusiasm that exists for that 2024 class. Well-timed post by Miss Riddell there. Uh, lousy stinking Gators. I don't know what their future looks like. I know their past is pretty bleak. 1131 days since they've beaten Georgia. That's your Gator hater updater. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog nation daily presented by Breda past management. And on video, time now for the R.S. Andrews Cooldown. R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can trust them on all of that. All right. Let's get some comments here. We're going to roll through these, and then we'll let you get on with your Wednesday. DT checks in to say that Jake said what I said yesterday, that the investment by Dylan and the Ryle family into UGA 